And if we haven't given conscious thought, maybe even made a few notes or written down some ideas on how we want to show up, then we're not preparing to do this at our best. We're just executing the hour because we think we should. And those are very, very different approaches to leadership. Hi, and you just entered the Leadership Gym. I'm Randy Hall. I'm an executive coach and leadership consultant, and this is the place where we work on our ability to lead our team, lead our business, and yes, lead ourselves. If you are looking to improve your capabilities as a leader, you are in the right spot, and I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're part of this discussion, part of the process of getting better at leadership something that hopefully we're working on on a regular basis. So often we think in organizations that leadership development's about a conference or a big meeting or somehow we're going to cram it all in in a really short period of time. And it just doesn't work like that. It is learning a little bit every day. It is facing the challenges associated with leadership in a way that lets us get a few percent better on a regular basis rather than uh, some sort of big leap or jump into the next level of leadership, at least in my experience and with the leaders I've worked with, don't see that happen very often. It's a slow, gradual progression. It's something we learn and practice and improve on in a regular way on a regular basis. And so that's why we built the Leadership Gym. If you're not a member there, you can join at leadershipgym.com. We get to work on leadership every day there and lots of different areas of leadership to work on, whether it's coaching or building culture or creating a stronger team or even self-leadership where you are really just focused on how do you become your best version of the leader you want to be. All of that's available to you or to your team. If you have a team of leaders that isn't constantly, consistently, regularly working on their ability to lead others, then we're simply leaving possibilities on the table for our business. And so go to Leadership Gym dot com and check that out join us there enter the conversation and also enter the opportunity to get better every day at leadership today we're going to talk a little bit about the picture people create of us as a leader and we're going to think a little bit about how we orchestrate or how we help shape that picture in a way that causes it to be the best one for our team, not for us, but in their best interest, for the people that count on us to be a good leader, are better off if we are a good leader, achieve more success if we are at the top of our game and showing up in a way that they feel good about. The bottom line is that if I don't think much of my boss, then I typically am performing at a level far below what's possible for me, what I'm capable of, what's right for the organization. And so that relationship, that picture of the person leading me, my manager, my boss, my superior, however you want to think about it, my beliefs about that individual have a lot to do with how I take their coaching, with how I respond to requests, with how open and candid I am in conversations, with how I share bad information with them or even good information with them. Communication all over the map 
it can change drastically depending on my opinion of, my beliefs about, my experience with that individual. And so we're going to explore some ways to think about that as a leader today. Years ago, I lived in New York. My job was on 42nd Street, and we were only up there for about five years, but I rode a train into town every morning, and as we were thinking about how we wanted to navigate that part of our life, we had two very small children at the time. As we moved to New York, we made some choices, and there were some things that were difficult about the choices we made and things that were amazing about the choices we made. And one of the choices that we were really happy with, despite some of the hardships associated with it, was to live far north of the city and I would just make that commute in on a daily basis and so I rode a train for an hour and 47 minutes came into Grand Central Station walked a couple of blocks went up to the 41st floor uh, where my office was in Midtown Manhattan and so as we were navigating that life we started to just think about that town the reason we moved north was to get to a place where we could have a swing set in the backyard. For us, it mattered. And it, we thought it mattered for the kids, was a better place to raise them. And just to think about the town we wanted to do that in, the place we wanted to land. And we found a little town north of the city that we kind of fell in love with. We loved the people there. We got to know our neighbors really well. Uh, we, we got to build relationships there that we still have that are strong. And our kids, the two that we had at the time, were in preschool. And one of the things that's interesting about living in and around New York is there's a fair number of sort of celebrities around you. It's not unusual to run into people at the airport or on the sidewalk or in the town that you live in anywhere within commuting distance to the city or just around it in any way, shape, or form. And as our kids were in preschool, one of the things that they would do is invite people from the local area to come in uh, to donate their time, to give their time to the kids, to read a little bit to them. They would come in and read stories. And as I got home one evening, uh, what I heard from my kids was that they had had one of the local residents come in and read some stories to them today. One of the local residents was James Earl Jones. So as I'm hearing this story, I'm automatically thinking, wait, Darth Vader read to my kids today. That's pretty cool. Like, that's an amazing thing to have happen in your world. To the girls, it was just that nice man, Mr. Jones, who came in and read to us. To me, it was Mufasa. It was Darth Vader. It was the guy from Sandlot. It was all of these things reading to my kids, which was pretty amazing. Not to mention the fact that when James Earl Jones is reading to your kids, that's about as good of an orator as you can have, I would think, reading kids' stories to you. But to them, it was just Mr. Jones reading those stories. And no matter what else they learned about him, because they thought it was pretty cool as they started to think, oh, wait, that's Mufasa. And they didn't know who Darth Vader was, so that really wasn't all that helpful. But as they started to connect him to his life in other places, you know, the work that he did, the movies that he made, it didn't really change their picture of that experience with him. It was still just Mr. Jones came in and read. And he did that several times while they were in the preschool there. Pretty amazing for me as well as them. Maybe for me more than them. 
But the bottom line here was they simply built their impression of who he was, the kind of person he was, the interactions with him, what they liked about him from their own experiences. It didn't matter as much to them how he showed up in other places or how other people would describe him or think of him or opinions they might have about him. None of that really mattered to them. They had their experience and they had formed their picture of Mr. Jones, the guy who came in and read to us with a really deep voice. That was their picture. And we would see him occasionally at the supermarket or at the nursery or somewhere in that area didn't matter. It was just Mr. Jones. The girls would run up and say, hi, Mr. Jones. So as we think about that and we think about the opportunities we have, no matter what people might say about us in the organization, around us, from different parts of the organization that we might be working in, from different areas of the business, other people's opinions on the team, the reality is if humans have individual experiences, they are going to give those individual experiences a lot more weight or credit than anything anyone else says. And so as we think about our reputation as a leader, what most people will use to form their opinions are their own individual interactions, if they have some. And so I want to give a little bit of thought to how we as leaders pay attention to the way those interactions happen, begin to plan different components of those interactions so that we get really good results for those people in terms of how they think about their leader. Because as we mentioned, if they think poorly of their leader, they don't perform very well. They are not fully engaged. It is not possible for them to reach their best levels of success with that opinion of their leader. They'll typically go somewhere else or they'll muddle through or they'll complain a lot about the situation that they're in, but they won't be focused on doing their best, using their leader's ideas and energy and support to help them get better. So there's five areas that we want to think about in terms of how we consider our interactions, how we prepare to have good interactions with our people, with our team, with those around us. And you may think of some additional areas, but I want you to break it down using these five and build on it if you want to. That's an awesome thing to do is to take a framework we give you here and add to it. So our team will form this picture of us over time and they will color it in. And the first thing we wanna think about is time. How do we spend our time with them? And also the other component of that is how much time do we spend with them? And it is so easy in the management world, especially if we have our own job to do that isn't just leading or managing a team of people, but also other work that we're responsible for. And that is usually the case we have to be very careful with our time, and that means we have to schedule it ahead of time rather than hope we'll find it during the day, which is a trap that many of us fall into. I'm going to go get all this work done, and hey, I hope I have some time to catch up with these people on my team. doesn't work that way. And so we've got to lay that out as part of our leadership habits, our leadership process, where I think of the people on my team and I schedule time with them in advance 
so that I am A, able to prepare for it, B, make sure that it happens more often, even though there are maybe occasions when I have to move it, and C, consider the way I execute during that time. What do I use it for? What questions do I ask? How do I interact? All of these things, if we have time scheduled, allow us to do it consciously and to do it with some forethought. So the first thing we wanna think about is our time dedicated to our people. The second thing is, the focus, and that is what subject matter, what kinds of things are we spending our discussion time on? And so am I focusing on the things that they do wrong? Am I focusing on the things they need to learn? Am I focusing on the possibilities that are in front of them? Am I focusing on the strengths I want them to leverage? But I've got to think about how I want to show up for them because there is a very different level of engagement associated with a person whose boss focuses on what they do wrong all the time rather than a person whose boss focuses on how they help them continue to reach their goals more effectively. And so we have to decide, and this is part of our conscious choice about how we lead, but these different areas of thought cause us to consider it from a lot of different angles. So what's our focus when we spend time with people? The third thing to think about is what's our attitude? How do we do that? Are we abrupt and short? Are we typically uh, angry or does it feel that way with them? Did we save up all of our criticisms for this moment? Are we using this time? and causing them during it to feel like it's an interruption from our work or that it is an inconvenience for us to do this? What is our attitude? And you can think about maybe conversations that you've had with a boss and how does it feel? Are you comfortable walking in? Does it feel like an inviting, supportive atmosphere that you're anxious to dive into so that you can get better, accomplish more, achieve more success, learn from this person with a different level experience or, or maybe just a different lens on the work? Any of those things, how do you approach it? And a lot of that is determined by your boss's attitude. And so we want to think about what kind of attitude we bring to that conversation as a leader. How does it feel to be in our presence? How do we affect people around us? And if we haven't given conscious thought, maybe even made a few notes or written down some ideas on how we want to show up, then we're not preparing to do this at our best. We're just executing the hour because we think we should. And those are very, very different approaches to leadership. And we want to choose the one that makes us our best and that gets our team the best results. This is not about us becoming the person we want to because we get more accolades or because people are nicer to us or because it feels better for us as an individual. All those things are true, but we don't want to dismiss it as some sort of self-serving act that we put on. That's not what we're doing. This is not manipulation. It is not any sort of, of process designed to fool people. It is an organized approach to how we want to lead and then making sure that we execute according to that definition of success for ourselves. So attitude is another thing that we want to think about. How do I want people to feel in my presence? What kind of an attitude do I want to have? What kind of an approach do I want to have to the conversation so that I cause them to feel that way? 
because that's how they're at their best. Investment. What kind of investment do I want to make in this individual? And certainly time is one of the ways we invest. And so those two things connect a bit. But also, what other investments do I make? Are there other investments in the way that I interact that don't just happen in my presence? Maybe it is sending them a note each week with an article we found or a resource that might be helpful for them. Am I investing in them as a human in all of the different ways that I might think of that would represent investment in someone? Certainly time is the one we think about the most, but often time is the one we are also most limited with. And so it's good to be creative about other ways to invest in people that aren't just our time. It could be additional resources. It could be in connections we make for them. Hey, I asked Maggie to speak with you next week because she's really good at that kind of project that you're working on. And I would love for you guys to have a conversation. That's an investment because I thought about you. I focused on your needs. And then I did some things, even if they only took a tiny bit of time, to help support you there. So that's the kind of investment that I'm making. And the last one is interest. What kind of interest do I take in you as a human? Now, this could be largely centered around the kinds of questions that I ask. Do I involve myself in your world at least to the degree that I care about it? Now, this doesn't mean that we have to get into detailed interrogations about people's lives or their families or their history or any of those things. Do not make the mistake here. When we say interest in a human, it does not mean that we now evaluate every area of their life and comment on it or dig it up or even cause them to expose it for us. doesn't mean that at all. But it does mean that every conversation I have doesn't start with, did you finish your work? It might mean, hey, tell me a little bit about your weekend or what did you do to relax or recharge or how's your family or how's that move going or how are you dealing with the fact that you're on video all day instead of being in the office? So it is the normal and natural sort of process that people use to build a relationship by demonstrating interest in other people and using questions to demonstrate that interest. One of the things that we know that has shifted a lot, especially as many of us are working virtually, is the relationships have changed a little bit. I had conversations with people just this week that were talking about how they had formed a different relationship with their boss because they got to see them at home, maybe with a ball cap on or a hoodie on, or maybe in certain situations where the cat was crawling up in her lap or any of those things. We got to see them as more real. We got to see them as more genuine. We got to see them in a way that maybe other people didn't or, or that contrasted with the way we typically thought of them. And that helps us build a different kind of bond. But we don't have to just hope that happens because we didn't put on a dress shirt for a Zoom call. We want to make sure that we give conscious thought to the way that we show up for people and the kind of picture that we want them to have of us, we get to help them draw that. We get to help them color it in. We get to help them shape it. We get to help them form that image. And let me reinforce the point that this is not some sort of manipulative thing. 
It is simply a choice that we've made about who we want to be as a leader and how we care about that image in a way that lets us build the one that matters the most to us and supports our people so that they can be at their best. That's a set of choices we get to make. And if we're able to go through this process, how much time am I spending with my people? What do I focus on when I spend time with them? What's my attitude in that environment and in those conversations and discussions? What kind of investment am I making in my team in the way that I support them, consider their needs? And what kind of interests do I have in them as a human? If you ask yourself those questions and work through that process, you can't help but show up differently for your team, which means that you're now a catalyst for their success. It also means that you get to experience leadership in a very different way, in a way that feels great at the end of the day, in a way that feels like you're making progress at the end of the month, in a way that causes you to know that you're having more impact on the people around you on a regular basis because you chose to, because you planned to, and because you caused them to think of you in a way that's beneficial to them and also accurate because that is who you are, because that is who you plan to be. And maybe at some point you get to be thought of as well as Mr. Jones reading to my kids. Hey, if we're adding some value here, and we certainly hope we are, I'm really enjoying the discussions here, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and hopefully we've earned a five-star review. So hopefully you can leave that for people and let other leaders find this conversation too. My goal is to help create as many leaders as we can. I think the world needs more of them. So help us reach out and find people who want to start that journey or continue the journey that they're on. Thanks again for being here for us this week. We'll see you again next week. And until then, go make a difference. 